they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Welcome to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, January the 27th. It's the Feast of St. Angela Marici. St. Angela Marici, pray for us. Tomorrow's the Feast of St. Thomas Aquinas. St. Thomas Aquinas, pray for us. So thank you for joining us on, Bible, on the Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Thank you for your support. Thank you for the radio stations that pick us up. And we want to begin this hour. It's noon, so we'll pray the Angelus in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived by the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done to me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O most holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Pour forth, we beseech you, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, made by his passion and cross, be brought to the glory of his resurrection. Through the same Christ, our Lord, amen. And we ask the angels to join us. Sanctus, 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 Dominus Deus Sabaoth, plenis uncelia terra, gloria tua, Hosanna in excelsis. Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. Well, so important is that mystery of the incarnation that the church asks us to think about it three times a day, morning, noon, and evening. And then during the, Christ, during the excuse me, Easter season, we um, replace the Angelus with what's called the Regina Celi, where we think about the resurrection, the incarnation and the resurrection, the mystery that our God became man and not just became man, but that he suffered and died for us. But he rose again. So we want to look at Hebrews 10 that talks about this reality. Christ's sacrifice once for all. Um, people sometimes get confused about what Catholics believe, and sometimes people read the scriptures and they take a context as if it were isolated from the whole, isolated from the whole, and then they get confused about what it means. So, when when you read a, a passage of scripture, it needs to be read within the context of the whole thing. All of scripture speaks to us of Christ, Old and New Testament. So, we want to look at Hebrews ten. What is it saying, and what isn't it saying? And we hope to get to all that today. Oh, here we go. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never by the same sacrifices which are continually offered year after year make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered? If the worshipers had been once cleansed, 
they would no longer have any consciousness of sin. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sin year after year, for it is impossible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sin. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offering and sin offering, you have taken no delight. Then I said, Behold, I come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. When he said above, you neither desired nor took pleasure, you neither desired nor you have neither desired nor have taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law, the Old Testament law. Then he added, Behold, I come to do your will. He abolishes the first in order to establish the second. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Now, that's not the whole of chapter 10, but that's verses 1 through 10. And we're going to take a look at those, and then we're going to try and continue and, and finish this up here. But for, um, So the law has but a shadow of the good things that were come. Well, what happened? You know, was the Old Testament, we just throw it out, didn't mean anything? No, the Old Testament was a preparation. And the church has always recognized from the beginning that there were types in the Old Testament, but they were only shadows of what was to come. The Passover, the sacrificing of the Passover lamb, that was a type of the sacrifice that Christ would make on the cross. The temple was a type of Christ. Jesus points that out. When he says, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up, he's not talking about the building. He's talking about his body. His body is the temple, wherein heaven and earth meet, and the true worship of God is carried out, because he is the Son of God. And in his humanity, which he perfectly unites to his divinity, he submits to his divinity perfectly, and in obedience, he offers the Father continual praise, adoration, glory. And, and in so... He's showing us the way. So the old things were there. Um, in the Old Testament, they had the animal sacrifices. And it's interesting, Scott Hahn pointed out, you know, the animal sacrifices came into be after the golden calf. And um, it was maybe a remedial. God demanded animal sacrifices to remind the people because they had been in Egypt for a long time, a couple hundred years, and they had fallen into this worship of false gods that they used animals to represent the false gods. And it's like, no, uh, the animals aren't gods. God made everything that is. The sun is not a god. The moon is not a god. The stars are not gods. Nothing in this created world is a god, and, and including the devil, our enemy. He's only a creature. So we're creatures, and we don't worship the creature. And this is the mistake we make when we start to worship the creature instead of the creator. So God, when the people of Israel sacrificed to the golden calf, God said, okay, now you will sacrifice. You will offer animal sacrifices to remind you that these animals are not God. They're not your God. But not because he delighted in those sacrifices. What was God looking for? We'll talk about that in a little bit. So you have the sacrifices that were continually offered year after year. And they, they weren't capable of making perfect those who draw near. How is this? Well, 
We're called, perfection is what? We're called to live like God, to behave like God as his very children, to live in union with him. And only God can accomplish that union in us. It's only God who can draw us close to himself and draw us into union with himself, share his own life with us. We can't attain to it. We cannot earn it. And Catholics don't teach that you earn your salvation. No, but we cooperate with God and his plan for our salvation. Hopefully, please God, that we do that every day, day by day. So he says that if, if the offerings of the Old Testament actually cleansed from sin, they would have ceased. And it's interesting. I looked up the, the uh, Thomas Aquinas commentary. I looked up St. John Chrysostom commentary on the book of Hebrews. And then I got uh, Father William Most. I have his commentary. So in the old, you know, the, the perfection that, we're, that, that God desires for us doesn't come through the old covenant. It comes in the new covenant, okay? Remember that sin deprived man of future goods. Sin deprives us of, of, of heaven. All right. But okay, are the sins past, present, or future? What's you know, what sins? So when the Hebrews, when the Jews offered sacrifice once a year in atonement for sins, it was for all the sins they had committed during that year. It doesn't cover anything going forward. So those are left. But it, it's a way to say, I'm sorry, I need to repent. But it doesn't have the power to remove those sins because it's not a divine sacrifice. So the new law has future goods, okay? It's concerned with the future goods. And so when Christ comes, he brings to perfection everything in the old law. What's interesting is um, the old law was concerned with the things of this world more. Yes, it was trying to get, get people to focus on God and to turn to God, but it didn't have the power to do that. And it didn't have the power to perfect people in charity. But Christ comes, God is love. He who abides in God abides in love. He who abides in love abides in God and God in him because God is love. And God became man. So now he has the power to draw us into charity. So the perfection that, that God wanted for us is reserved for the new law because the perfection is charity. That, and that's the bond of perfection. Okay? So, so Matthew, what does Matthew say in Matthew 5, 48? Our Lord Jesus said, he says, Be you therefore perfect, even as your heavenly Father is perfect. But now Christ has come and he gives us something that the old law couldn't give us. He gives us himself. We share in his very life and he establishes his church and he establishes the sacraments to pass on the graces that he wants to pass on. So we have this, you know, the, the old law, the contrast of the old law and the new law. In the old law, we knew about sin. We said, I'm sorry for sin. But there was no power of the old law to remove the sin. Only when Christ comes can the sin be removed. Don't go away. We'll be right back. This is exciting stuff. Got your family and friends to join us on Five Woods Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio.
Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Welcome back to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, January 27th, 2023. So we're talking about Hebrews 10, and um, Christ was, his sacrifices once for all, and it talks about the, the offerings made in the Old Testament for sin, but that they couldn't take away sin. Well, how is that? Well, Thomas Aquinas explains that um, for since sin is something spiritual, which is opposed to what is heavenly, it was necessary that whatever cleansed from sin should be spiritual and heavenly, and consequently, that it have everlasting power. Hence, and that's Hebrews 12, it says, he says, he mentions, he, he, Jesus Christ, entered once for all into the holy place, taking not the blood of goats and calves, but his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. So Hebrews 12 is showing us that by entering into the sanctuary with his own blood, this is what Christ does, he secures for us an eternal salvation. And that's, you know, the Hebrews is speaking about the, the power of Christ's sacrifice. And the letter to the Hebrews, Paul attributes an everlasting power to it, saying, having obtained eternal redemption. That was in Hebrews 9.12. But the fact that it is eternal, it has eternal power is enough for sins already committed and sins still to be committed. Therefore, it was not necessary to repeat it anymore. Hence, Christ, by one oblation, perfected forever them that are sanctified. Hebrews 10, 14. Christ, by one oblation, perfected forever them that are sanctified. But some people think that, well, Catholics, you offer the Mass every day, so obviously you're contradicting that. You don't believe that. Well, Thomas Aquinas answers to that, and he says, we do not offer something different from what Christ offered for us namely his own blood. It's the only offering. There's only one offering, the blood of Christ. It is not a distinct oblation, but a commemoration of that sacrifice which Christ offered. Do this in commemoration of me. So Christ offered himself once for all in a bloody manner on Calvary. And in the Mass, time and space do not exist. And through the action of the priest, Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, acts in and through the priest to make present in this time and place his one eternal sacrifice that he offers in heaven before the Father continually as the victim who immolated himself but is no longer dying but lives for all eternity, that act of immolated love. As the lamb who was slain, see Revelations 5, but who still bears his scars. In heaven, he still bears his scars. And he continually offers himself. It's a perpetual offering that he makes continually. And heaven and earth are joined in the mass. And there is only one sacrifice. Christ is not offering it in a bloody manner anymore. He's in heaven glorified. But time and space do not exist. And we become true witnesses of his death. That's why in the mass, the priest consecrates the bread and the wine separately to represent the death of Christ. He really died. He really shed his blood. It wasn't, wasn't play acting. It really happened. And so it's, but it's a perpetual memorial. 
where at the commemoration makes present all the graces that were gained for us in that moment are present at the Mass. Ask for them. And so it's not that the, we don't repeat what Christ did. We, and this is why Jesus established the priesthood. He said, do this in memorial of me, just like the Passover was celebrated every year. But in some sense, the Jews understood that the Passover, that the language of the Passover was that somehow it's still present in this moment because there is no time in God. God is outside of time and all things are eternally present to him. But Christ's sacrifice now, the sacrifice of Christ, is able to take away sins because he is God and he offers the perfect sacrifice. And so another question that comes up, so it's not, we're not, thinking that we offer Christ, that we, we re-kill Christ, we re-crucify Christ. It's so funny. I remember as a teenager, I, I had a brother, an older, I have an older brother, and he asked me that. He said, well, do we crucify Christ at, at Mass? And I thought, well, the, the Mass is the representation of Calvary, and I'd never thought it through, or I hadn't been catechized enough to know. And I said, well, yeah, we do. And he just looked at me and said, heretic? And then he didn't explain it. <laughs> so... I had to come to understand through my study of the faith and my growth in the faith to realize that, no, we don't re-crucify Christ at Mass. Jesus Christ died once for all. He will never die again. He died once. But he is glorified in heaven and in his risen, ascended, glorified state. He's still the victim who immolated himself. And he still offers himself as a victim before the Father on behalf of sinners. So he's continually pleading for us because what? Every person in this world, it's like, oh, well, we think, okay, in here, there's the, the idea that some people think, well, um, the worshipers have been cleansed. They would no longer have any consciousness of sin. And somebody asked me that question at Bible study on Tuesday night. It was, well, wait a minute, no longer consciousness of sin. And we have this in the New Testament, this idea that seems to think, seems to say that, well, um, Christians are incapable of sinning, okay? So we need to look at that, Right. We have to look at, at what is actually said in confidence in, in the scriptures. And in, in Hebrews 4.16, it says, let us go with confidence to the throne of grace, the throne of mercy. Well, if we're sinless, why would we need mercy? So even Hebrews earlier in chapter 4 talks about this throne of mercy. Okay, so it means the old ceremonies were only sanctifying the flesh. That was, they were temporary. That's what this, this whole passage is saying. But in the new dispensation, the sanctification is of the consciences as well. And by its nature, permanent is continual. It lasts on and on. That is, of course, unless we throw it away by sin. So it's not that Christians are incapable of sinning, but we are incapable of losing the salvation that Christ won for us if we throw it away by sin. Well, so the perfection... Um, given is justification. That's the perfection given, which in itself lasts forever and constitutes a ticket to enter the Father's house if only we do not throw away the ticket. This is Father Most's commentary. We did not, we do not have to earn it. We did not earn it. We cannot earn it. It's not possible, but we can forfeit it. That is justification by faith, by taking if we mean faith in the sense of what Paul says, okay? So we have 
In the Old Testament, the voluntary sins remained until the one perfect sacrifice came to take them away. In such a way, what was taken away? The guilt and the liability. When God forgives us our sins, he forgets them. When we confess our sins sincerely and honestly before God, he forgets them. The guilt and the liability no longer remain, okay? But we can commit sins in the future. And, and even, you know, in the letter of John, in 1 John 3, 9, John says, everyone born of God does not commit sin. Well, let's take it in the context of the whole, you know, New Testament. And again, Paul in Romans chapter 8, um, Paul talks about this too. He says, the wisdom of the flesh is hostile to God. It is not subject to the law of God, for it is unable. The wisdom of the flesh, not subject to the law of God, the wisdom of the flesh. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But he goes on to say that those who are in the spirit can please God. Okay? And then he goes on. um, He says, but being a son of God, those who are in the spirit cannot produce any sin. It seems like it's a definitive. Well, since we might cast it away by sin, might we we might cast away our salvation by sin for that reason in his very first appearance to the apostles after the completion of his sacrifice and resurrection what did jesus do on that night of the resurrection in john chapter 20 he says he breathed on them receive the holy spirit whose sins you shall forgive they are forgiven them Whose sins you shall retain, they are retained. Why would he give to his apostles the authority to forgive sins if Christ's sacrifice had taken everything away, had taken away our capacity to sin? He forgives our guilt. He forgives our liability. But we still have to strive to overcome sin in our life. We have to work to become more and more like God every day free of the things of this world and living for Christ and living in union with Christ. We want to cast away all sins, so we strive for that daily, okay? And Father Most goes on to talk about the obedience of Christ, which I think is a little bit later here, okay? So we're going to move on. So Paul is not saying here that um, that by because Christ died, Christians are not capable of sinning. He's not saying that, okay? He is saying that Christ fulfills all the shadows of the old law and he brings something more perfect because he brings divinity and his grace, the grace of God, all right? So when Christ came into the world, what did he say? Sacrifice and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offering and sin offering you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I come to do your will, O God, as it is written for me in the scroll of the book. So when he says, You neither desired nor took pleasure in the sacrifices and offering and burnt offering and sin offerings, these were offered according to the old law, according to the law of Moses. Then he adds, Behold, I have come to do your will. So he abolishes the old covenant because it's fulfilled now. He fulfills it. It's completed with him. 
and he establishes the second. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Christ once for all. So, obedience. Jesus Christ came in obedience to the will of the Father. In obedience to the will of the Father, he offers himself once for all to free us from all sin. But we have to choose to be free because he wants us to love. God is love. And if we're not free, it's not love. If God is just a slave master, by the way, and he's standing over us with a big stick to say, I'm going to beat you up if you don't obey, and we're just obeying out of fear, that's not love, and it's not freedom. God is love. He loves us as his very dear children, and we are to behave like him as his very dear children. So Christ comes, and he gives us the power to overcome sin in our life by turning to him and asking him for that grace day by day, moment by moment. Thank you, all of those of you who are joining us on Bible with the Barbers, on Virgin Most Powerful Radio, on our app, on your cell phone, on our website, on Rumble, on Facebook, on Stations Across Radio, and all the other radio stations that pick up our signal. Thank you, all of those of you who support us. Right now. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Welcome back to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, January the 27th. 28, 27, yes, 2023. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for all of our listeners. Um, whatever um, medium, <laughs> social medium or, or platform you're listening in, all the radio stations that pick us up and thank you to all of our donors and all of those who offer your sufferings and your prayers for us. So we're talking about Hebrews 11 and um, that Christ fulfills all the types that are there in the Old Testament. The Old Testament was preparing the way for Christ to come. He comes, he offers himself once for all. He does away with all the animal sacrifices because he is the definitive sacrifice. And it's not that he takes, he, he doesn't take away our capacity to sin. We still can sin, but he forgives our guilt and he also takes away the liability. If we are truly sorry for our sins and we confess them and, and give them to God and immerse them in, his, in, his, in the precious blood of his son, the sins are wiped out. So the beauty of confession here um, that Jesus established, remember he, he told his apostles on the night of the resurrection, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Whose sins you shall forgive, they are forgiven them. Whose sins you shall retain, they are retained. So in verse 11, it says, every priest stands daily in his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins, which we talked about, the old law sacrifices. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the Father, then to wait until his enemies should be made the stool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us, saying, This is the covenant I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law on their hearts, and I will write them on their minds, and I will remember their sins and their misdeeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. So Christ makes the offering once 
And he doesn't have to die again and again and again and again. He died once for all. And again, we talked about that earlier in this program, how we Catholics do not believe that we're re-crucifying Christ. Okay, so, but, but his sacrifice is an eternal sacrifice that he still offers in his risen, ascended, glorified state in heaven. He still is the victim who immolated himself, who offers himself to the Father for sinners. But he promised that he would write his law on our hearts and on our minds. And this is what he's done. And this is, he, he forgives the guilt of our sins. He takes away the liability if we're truly sorry and, and confess them. But that doesn't make us incapable of sinning. And that's why he told, gave the apostles the power to forgive sins. That's why we have the sacrament of confession in the Catholic Church. Our sins can be forgiven. It's, you know, we go to God in prayer and say, Lord, I am sorry for my sins. But, you know, it's like, well, how do I know for sure that God heard my prayer? And he, because he established a sacrament, an outward sign of the grace, of the inward grace that he will give us. I forgive your sins. When the priest raises his hand in in the confessional and says, I absolve you. He's speaking in persona Christi Capita, Jesus Christ, the head. He is the high priest and no priest has any authority or power apart from Christ. Christ is the authority and the power. And every priest, when he administers a sacrament, it is Christ who is working in and through that priest to administer that sacrament. So we're called to obey as Christ did. We talked about that in the last section obedience, the obedience of Christ, that he obeyed his father. From the very first moment of his conception, his human soul had the beatific vision. He saw his father and he knew the father's plan for his humanity, that what he would suffer in his humanity. And he said, yes, I come to do your will, O Lord, a body you have prepared for me. I come to do your will. So Paul exhorts us now to persevere, persevere to the end. We, we can lose our salvation. There were great saints who knew, even after having served Christ and suffered so much for him, in a careless moment, they could lose their salvation. And it's not because they're looking at themselves. They understand, I am so weak as a human being. I am capable of the worst possible crime that anyone could commit. And, and so they constantly depended on the Lord and leaned on the Lord and look to him for their strength. And they called on his name to save them. And save them from what? From sin. As Jesse mentioned Leon Bloy at the end of his program. Leon Bloy uh, was a Frenchman. He um, had a very difficult time supporting his family. He was a writer, I believe. And he didn't make a lot of money. And um, his family was suffered greatly. He suffered a lot of physical deprivation. His family suffered physical deprivation. Um, some of them died of starvation, according to Bishop Fulton J. Sheen. And he saw all of this. He saw all of this human suffering. And yet his heart was fixed on the Lord. He wasn't oblivious to the suffering. He felt it. He suffered with his family members. And he suffered because he couldn't provide enough for them. As any man suffers when he can't provide for his family. But he said, nonetheless, the only tragedy in life is not to have become a saint. To become a saint simply means to live in union with God, to behave like God as his very dear children, to live in union with him moment by moment, day by day. So we are called to persevere. And Leon Bloy persevered. 
And that's the beauty of the saints. You know, Scott Hahn, after he became Catholic, he said, you know, Catholics don't talk about the saints enough. It's, it's one of the most closely guarded secrets of the Catholic faith is that the people who really live the gospel, the Catholics who really live the gospel are the saints. So by your fruits, you will know them. Um, it's not the Catholics who don't live their faith and who don't go to confession and don't go to mass and don't keep the commandments who are an example of what Catholicism is. It's the saints. It's the saints. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, Sister Teresa Benedicta of the Holy Cross, St. John Paul II, um, and, and many, many, many more in our own day. Um, Akuna, um, I forget his first name right now. He's a young man. He died in his, as a teenager. Uh, Joselito, the little martyr who died during the Cristero Revolution. Jacinta and Francisco Marto, who um, died in... Um, Oh, 19, they, are, they, they were the ch- two of the children who saw Our Lady at Fatima, and they died um, not too long after those visions. The visions were in 1917. Uh, Francisco died first, and then Jacinta died. She died of the Spanish flu, what was called the Spanish flu, uh, I believe in 1920. But they offered all of their sufferings in union with Jesus, all of their sufferings, all their sacrifices, and they gave up sin. They battled against sin in their own, these little children, they lived heroically in union with God. Why? Perseverance. They wanted to love. And in order to love, they chose freely to offer up all the crossless toils and disappointments of life. So the letter to the Hebrews, uh, we're called to persevere. Okay, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Yes, this is from the letter to the Hebrews. I didn't make that up. Let us hold fast. Verse 23 in Hebrews 10, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And so we're supposed to do, we're supposed to love our neighbor. We're supposed to serve our neighbor, do good works, feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, clothe the naked, shelter the homeless, visit the imprisoned, visit the sick, um, bury the dead, food to the hungry, drink to the thirsty, clothe the naked, shelter the homeless, visit the sick, visit the imprisoned, and bury the dead. We're supposed to do these things. These are the works the corporal works of mercy, to serve. And out of love, we're supposed to do it. St. Paul said, you know, remember Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13. If I were to give my body over to be burned and it's, there's no love in it, it's nothing. If I, were to sacri- if I were to give everything away that I had, but I do it without love, it's meaningless. If I could speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, <laughs> I'm a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. So we need love, the charity of God in us and toward our neighbor. We need to exercise that charity toward our neighbor. And we want to persevere. We want to persevere. And remember, he's writing this letter to the Hebrew converts to, the, to, to Christianity, the, the Hebrew converts to the Catholic faith, those who were from. And so when he speaks, he's going to speak much, much differently in this letter than he does when he's writing to pagans. He's speaking to the Hebrews and he's warning them. 
and, and he's asking them to persevere and to stir one another up. And this is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to not, we're not supposed to drag one another down. We're not supposed to say, oh, talk about the TV shows and the movies and the entertainments we go to. And our, and our, we're supposed to spend our time stirring one another up to the service of the Lord. And we're supposed to take courage in the service of the Lord and help one another to do that. And Paul goes on, he says to them, something is, he says, if we sin deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there is no longer remission, remains a sacrifice for sins. What is he talking about? He's talking about the Hebrew converts who were tempted to go back to the old law. They're tempted to leave Christianity and go back to the old Jewish law. No, the law was fulfilled. Christ is the fulfillment. He is the new covenant. The, the new covenant is made in his blood. In the old covenant, the covenant was always made in blood, right? And, and you had, you know, even before the golden calf, you had the animal sacrifices when Abraham had to kill the animals as a, as a sign of the covenant, the shedding of blood. There's no forgiveness of sins without shedding of blood. So when Christ comes into the world, when, when the second person of the blessed Trinity comes into the world and becomes Jesus of Nazareth, when he takes from himself a human nature, he takes a body you have prepared for me so that I can shed my blood, so that I can sacrifice myself and offer myself as a worthy offering to God for sin. Christ is the worthy offering. He is the one true sacrifice. And in the Mass, we believe that it is Christ who offers himself in an unbloody manner. The Mass is not a bloody sacrifice. It's an unbloody sacrifice. It's the representation of the sacrifice of Christ in his risen, ascended, glorified state. Don't go away. We'll be back with more. We're coming up to the end of this hour. But I want to thank you all for joining us. And please spread the news among your family, friends, relatives, acquaintances. There's a Bible study on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Welcome back to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, January the 27th, 2023. We're talking about Hebrews 10 today and the sacrifice of Christ being once for all. And we've talked about that. And we're toward the end of the chapter now. And um, Paul had said, for if we sin deliberately after receiving the knowledge of truth, there's no longer remains a sacrifice. And what is he referring to? He's referring to um, the possibility of uh, if the Jewish converts to the Catholic Christian faith would now revert back to Judaism with its ineffectual ceremonies and sacrifices, there's no offering for sin that can actually take away sin in the old sacrifice. So de facto... If you return to it, you have no offering for sin. There's only one offering for sin that's actually effectual, and that's the offering of Christ himself. That can, he can take away our guilt and, and remit the, the punishment for the sin too. And so um, he says what remains is a fearful, um, fearful possibility of judgment. And so um, he goes on to say that you know, in the old law, if a man violated um, the law, the, the Ten Commandments, he died. He was, he was stoned to death by the people. Well, how much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the man who spurned the Son of God? 
and profane the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and outraged the spirit of grace. So Paul's saying if you've received baptism, if you become a Catholic Christian and, and a Christian and you are now part of God's family, don't spurn that. Don't reject Christ, by the way, for anyone or, any, or anything. And yeah, there are people within the church who scandalize us, but don't leave Christ because of Judas, okay? Because if the punishment of the old law was death, how much more is the punishment of the, the new law going to be worse? Okay, so we don't want to leave Christ for any reason. And Paul quotes, he says, for we know him who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay. Remember, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And that, should, that was Deuteronomy 32 and 35 through 36. The Lord will judge his people. Okay, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of God. So we're called to persevere in the grace that we received. Okay, and we received the grace of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, our Savior, that the Son of God really became man, really took to himself a human nature, and in that human nature, he suffered and died. He really shed his blood for us. So he is the one high priest who offers himself. He's the one offering. His blood is the one offering that can take away sins, and he's the one who gives us the perfect act of worship of the Father because he is the Son. And so the Son of God really became man. He really took to himself a human nature, and he really did offer himself on the cross once for all. We don't believe at the Catholic Mass that we're re-crucifying Christ. We believe that time and space don't exist and that Christ offers himself perpetually in heaven eternally to the Father on behalf of sinners. And so we are united, that one eternal sacrifice, and that sacrifice of Christ, because Jesus Christ is God, that sacrifice is a divine sacrifice. So sin, Adam and Eve sinned against God. They commit an offense that was infinite because God is infinite. He is love. He's infinite love. And they turn their back on him. They couldn't repair that and they couldn't earn their way back. So he promised, God promised, I will send someone. I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between her seed and your seed, the woman's seed, Jesus Christ, who became man in the womb of the Virgin Mary by the power of the Holy Spirit. This was God's plan from the beginning. And Christ would crush the head of the serpent. He would destroy the power of sin and death. He would free us. From sin and death. We still struggle, and Paul talks about that in one of his letters, I believe it's Romans, where he says, the flesh militates against the spirit, and the spirit militates against the flesh. We still have to live out our life in the body, but we can live a life of union with God through prayer and sacrifice, through the sacraments in the Catholic Church, very closely living a life of union with God, but we can't do it by continuing in sin. We have to give up sin. Christ came and gave us the example of obedience. Are we willing to obey God, to keep his commandments? You know, one part of the old law that wasn't done away with, hello out there, everybody, is this microphone on? The Ten Commandments, they were a permanent part of the law. They're still God's owner's manual for mankind to find happiness it's union with God, and they are summed up in two commandments, aren't they? All ten of the commandments are summed up in 
Love the Lord your God with your whole heart, your whole mind, your whole soul, with all your strength. Those are the first three. And love your neighbor as yourself. Numbers 4 through 10. All of the law is summed up in this. And, but it's calls for love. A response of love and a response of obedience. Obedient love. And this is what Jesus came for. To show us the way of obedient love. Sacrifices and offerings you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and in sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then said I, behold, I come to do your will, O God. And that, by the way, is in Psalm 40, verses 7 through 9. I come to do your will, O God. And this is what we want to say day by day, moment by moment, each day of our lives. Lord, I come to do your will. Not my will, but thy will be done. And we, we need to embrace the fullness of the truth that Christ has offered us. We need to conform ourselves to the graces that God has given to us. We need to conform ourselves to the love which Christ shows. And, and St. Paul talks about the good works we need to do here, right? He, he refers to the good works let us consider how to stir one, and up, uh, one another up to love and good works. He, he exhorts us to persevere. We have to strive to persevere. You know, it's not once saved, always saved. Oh, I got it made in the shade. I made my profession of faith and boom, I'm done. And No, no, I can't go on. I can't go on fornicating. I can't go on committing adultery. I can't go on lying, stealing, cheating, um, Breaking the Ten Commandments, being dishonoring my parents, any form of the culture of death, the, the, the killing of the unborn and the killing of um, the old and all of these things. There's no place for these things in, in God. You can't, we cannot go on sinning and expect to be in union with God. Okay? There's no room for sin. There's no room for God in us if we're making a place for sin. We have to give up our sins. And this is what the saints did. They read their lives. You know, the saints went around and they weren't going around breaking the Ten Commandments with abandon. It wasn't, you know, unfortunately at the, the Reformation, there was one of the reformers said, oh, we're just dunghills covered with snow. And, and you know, Christ, Christ justifies us, but he doesn't really transform us. That's not what the scripture teaches. In his letter here to the Hebrews and in other letters, Paul talks about the transforming power of grace that we are. What did he say? He said, I live now, not I, but Jesus Christ lives in me. I still live my human life, but it is a life of faith in the son of God. And that transformed that our inner being be renewed, be renewed by the renewal of your mind. Paul says in another place in the letter to Romans, I believe it is. To be, Paul continually talks about this idea of being transformed, transformed into a living image of Christ. This is our calling as Christians. We're not dunghills covered with snow. If we've been baptized, if we have truly accepted the Lord Jesus and asked him to live in us and we ask him every day, Lord, if I am in the state of grace, please keep me in the state of grace. And if I am not in the state of grace, please put me in the state of grace. Show me whatever it is I need to do to be in the state of grace. To be in the state of grace means that the grace of God is in us, that we are in union with God, that we have God's grace, his very own life, 
not just his help. There is, what do we call it? Sanctifying grace and actual grace. Sanctifying grace is the life of God within us. Actual grace is the grace that we receive, the help that we receive from God moment by moment to do his will. So we're not here to do our own will. We're here to do his will. We need to persevere in that. We're here because Christ sacrificed himself once for all in a bloody manner, but that sacrifice is perpetual because he, the victim who immolated himself, is no longer dying but still lives in heaven, that act of immolated love. He is the lamb who was slain, who still bears his scars in heaven. When I was 19 years old, I had appendicitis that didn't get diagnosed, and uh, I ended up um, in the hospital for four days before surgery because they weren't, well, three and a half days. They weren't quite sure what was wrong. And um, three full days. And the fourth day, they took me into surgery. Uh, the fourth day was basically surgery and recovery. And then, then from there, I was 25 days after surgery because I was so sick. And one of the ladies who was shared room, several, several ladies shared the room with me as the, in that course of that 25 days after surgery. And one of them was a, a, a Lutheran minister's mother. And she said, why do you still have Christ on the cross? He's not suffering anymore. And that's true. He's not suffering. But in heaven, he still bears his scars. We still have Christ on the cross because we don't want to forget. He really did shed his blood for us. He wasn't play acting. And he really does wash us clean in his blood. Our garments are made white. They're not dunghills covered with snow. We are transformed within, from within and filled with the grace of God. So we need to live in the freedom of God's children. And in order to do that, we have to give up sin. Jesus said in the gospel, anyone who sins is a slave of sin and no slave has a permanent place in his master's house. Go to confession on a regular basis. Visit Jesus in the blessed sacrament. Go to mass daily if possible, but at least on Sunday, read your scriptures every day. Pray your rosary. Prayer is supposed to be a conversation with someone who loves us. We enter into conversation with him who loves us. So let us enter into that conversation every single day. Let us have a personal encounter with Christ every day in our prayer and in the Holy Eucharist and in confession. And let us go to confession frequently and regularly. If it's been a while, go. By the way, Sacred Heart Parish in Covina has confessions tonight beginning at 7 or 7.30. And they said they'll hear confessions until the last person is done. So line them up everybody let's go to confession let's confess our sins and ask the lord for the grace to live free of sin so that we will truly be god's children and have a permanent place in the father's house thank you so much for joining us on bible with the barbers i really hope this encourages you and inspires you to read the scriptures more this is god's holy word he is speaking to us he speaks to us through his son and he speaks to us through the written word that tells us about his son So we'll be back, please God, next week with more on Bible with the Barbers. Share this, please, with everybody you know, all your church groups, all your family, friends, acquaintances, workers, um, people that you work with. And uh, thank you for supporting Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You can make a donation by calling 877-526-2151. And I hope to be back again next week with more on Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Radio.